Hi, I'm Marianne Talkovsky, and you're listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With over a decade of experience as a holistic health practitioner and face reader, I've read hundreds of faces and elevated how many people see themselves. Every person's facial features tell a story of who they are and who they came to be. And in this podcast, you will hear what people see and learn about themselves while looking in the mirror. You won't want to miss an episode, so be sure to subscribe. Michaela Cox shares her journey traveling through life with what she calls her 38 Triple D journey, which involves a lifelong disability of near blindness, divorce at 26, and the loss of her beloved husband at age 38. This threw her into solo parenting, which has taught her so much about transforming from tribulations to thriving in life. Listen to the end to hear what Michaela feels humanity needs the most. So I am so excited. Michaela Cox is my next guest that I have today. Michaela, thank you so much for joining me here. Thanks so for having me. I'm excited too. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, oh my gosh, I see you have a full bio here. Just a lot of amazing experiences. I cannot wait to dive in. Yeah. I'm never uh, just doing one thing. It's like, I can't do that. I'm always doing all the things or trying to. Some days better than others, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, we have like so many options for life and yeah. right. we want to take advantage of them all. So, so speaking of life, let's, let's get into yours. So I know, um, I may or may not have shared with you cause I've never met you before. I typically have my guests start with looking at their features and describing them since people are listening in and they may not see your Ooh. photo. They've never seen you before. So looking in your reflection, how would you describe your features? Oh, gosh, I've always hated that question. (laughs) Honestly, I've always hated that question. Um, Even when I was a kid, though, when I was a kid, I've always, I guess, because I don't want to seem vain or something. I don't know. But um, I've always loved my hair color, my red hair. It's natural. It's not bottle. It's natural. I'm very much a natural redhead and I've always liked it. And I have blue eyes and I'm very white. I'm about as white as you get. And I don't mean that, you know, like just like I have to wear like SPF, you know, 30 or 50 (laughs) the sun. So I don't bake in a row. So yeah. Okay, great. So redhead, blue eyes, fair skin. Yeah. Technically I don't have to dress up for the 4th of July. I already have the colors naturally. I miss America. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So you had said you don't like that question. What is it about that question that you don't like? I don't want to come across as sounding vain. Okay. So describing your features seems vain. No, it's just me. I mean, I know it's not. It's just what I've always, you know, we all have our own little thought process that we get, you know, think about that aren't really probably true, but we still have them, you know. Absolutely. So, so looking at ourselves, looking at yourself feels I just want to make sure I'm I'm getting it clearly vain yeah a little bit because there's more to life you know I'd rather focus on other things more to life with it it's just I'd rather focus on other things okay such as 
I mean, not in this interview, but I'm just saying as life, like, I've never been one to necessarily bring attention to it myself. You know what I'm saying? But it's just me being me. Okay. So just for the benefit of our listeners, since again, they can't see you. Yeah. I know you said red hair, blue eyes. Is there a particular feature? I know you said you like your red hair. Is there anything else on your face that you really like? Freckles. I've always had freckles. Freckles. Okay. I don't know why I've always liked freckles. Okay. And then sun kisses. Yeah, exactly. And mine tend to hibernate during the winter and then they can come out full force during the summer. So I don't have as many during the winter, but during the summer, they are all over the place. Like, okay, freckle girl. (laughs) They show up in the spotlight. Yeah, especially because I'm usually outside a lot in the sun with my kids in the pool all summer long. So they really come out. Okay. And is there a particular feature that you're not so fond of? Mm, I don't know. My tummy is not as flat as it used to be. (laughs) I need to work on that. (laughs) What about on your face? Mm, Nothing really. As long as my eyes are looking straight and not doing the crazy stuff, we're good. (laughs) Okay. And what what do you mean by that? Well, that gets into like my disability. So um, that's the first, depending on when you're ready to jump into my life story, that's what I would call the first D of my 38 triple D. Not my bra size, by the way, people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so let's talk about that. You're saying uh, it's part of your life story. So tell me, what do you mean by when your eyes aren't looking straight and it's it's tying into your disability in this triple D, 38 Um, D? I, what triple eight 30, I came up with this term to kind of describe like a good overall, just quick snapshot of what my story is in my life. I call it the 38 triple D because I have gone through, um, disability, lifelong disability. I've had it since I took my first breath, since I had my first day in this world, never will not be without it as permanent. Um, and we can get into that in a minute. Um, and then divorce at 26 from a very interesting first marriage. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> that would be a whole other interview. Um, and then, um, unfortunately, after that divorce, I did meet the love of my life. And then we lost him. Uh, my beloved husband My beloved husband passed away four years ago. And um, our children were very young at the time of six and three. And so I was thrown into solo motherhood in a split second. So. Wow. So I was 38 at the time. So that's why 38. Okay. So when we're talking about 38 triple D, you're, you're basically touching on your disability, divorce, and then death. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk to me about the disability. You said it's been something you were, you were born with that will never go away. No, it won't. It's legal blindness. Um, I'm not sure of your background or your audience's background, but I come from a place of faith. I was raised Christian. I am Christian. And we believe uh, when I came into this world, I was actually totally blind, total darkness, no vision at all. And then at seven months old, we believe that God decided to be, grant me a miracle and allow me to have my sight because I do still see it's just impaired and it used to be impaired. And now as I become an adult, it's more on the side of legal blindness and for I'm not good with medical jargon, but for anyone who in your audience is maybe a medical background, they're probably going to laugh at the way I describe this, but <laughs> sorry, I'm very layman. But for anyone who may know, um, legal blindness is referring to 
what is defined within the parameters of the law of what constitute you to be considered blind and the eyes of the law. Hence, blindness that is legal. It's a legality. It's blindness within the law. When you go to an eye doctor and you do like those eye charts to see what your vision is in relation to being 2020, and the further away you get from 2020, you're more screwed up visually. <laughs> Mine's pretty wackadoodle. Mine uncorrected is 2200 to 2400. I forget which, whichever it is, it what means you're legally blind, um, uncorrected vision. Um, the root of it is what is my optic nerve. If you ever remember from biology or anatomy and physiology classes, or like if you've been in your eye doctor's office and saw a graph of the optic nerve, the optic nerve in your body has a certain shape and color. And mine is totally jacked up, totally whack, not the right color and not the right shape for normal optic nerve, which means the bloodstream that goes through the way it's been explained to me. It goes through the optic nerve to help you get the signals of to process what you're seeing to send to the brain so it knows what to perceive what you're seeing. It doesn't do that properly, so it's not as quick to send through and send out messages and get trip the signals and all that, however that works. So therefore, I don't see things as well, and I don't see them as quickly, depending on time of day, depending on the weather, you know, if it's like really dark. I mean, on how far away, the size, the shape, the color, it's very complicated. It's not cut and dry. And then on top of that, <laughs> you add uh, astigmatism, which goes to the eyes moving, you know, which is why it's not guaranteed in pictures that I'll be able to look completely straight at something or someone so they can look messed up. Um, astigmatism, nearsightedness, um, not good depth perception or peripheral vision. Yeah, it's fun. Wow. Okay. So, so can you drive? No, legal blindness and driving don't go good together. <laughs> well, and I'm asking not advisable for me or the other people on the road. I promise. Yeah, good, yeah, good, good call there. What about being corrected though? Your vision is it correctable? Correctable. No, you could correct some things, but you're still dealing with the optic nerve. And medically, they it's the unfrontier of doing nerve transplants. And even if they were to do nerve transplants. You're dealing with the optic nerve. It's on your brain stem. I'm not going to, I mean, I've had 13 surgeries for various different reasons, but there's a big difference between getting a gallbladder removed in a C-section or getting wisdom teeth cut out versus letting someone go in and go screw your brain stem. No, thank you. I'm good. I've been doing this for almost 43 years. I'll just keep not driving. Thank you very much. Okay. So you have never driven. Uh, they let me a little bit in high school and they changed their minds. And I'm like, you know what? When y'all figured out, send me a memo and just let me know. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> When you say they, are you talking about your parents? No, the doctors. Okay. Okay. So, all right. I just want to make sure I'm totally. I know it's a lot of information. Oh, I, I mean, but this is really fascinating. So when you look at yourself in your, in the mirror, can you like yeah. see yourself? Again, you can like, see yourself. just fine. Okay. Basically where this plays out is I don't drive. So basically anything that involves a vehicle, I don't do on my own. I either hire someone or I have someone come pick me up. Like, excuse me, I live in Louisiana where my, my friends and family live. So I have a lot of girlfriends and I just figure it out, you know, and then thank God we finally got Uber and Lyft in my town. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Pass the butter and gravy. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And, Uber and Lyft, I'm sure are really kind of hand. Yeah. And um, it takes me longer to do things. Okay. So yeah, I want to hear more about that, Michaela. Like, how has this 
impacted your life, your experiences? How, how would you say it's, it's guided you? It's guided me. It's, um, I was actually, <laughs> interesting enough, I was writing this morning because I generally reserve my morning time for writing. I was writing my new project and I was actually talking about this in my chapters, the, the book I want to come out in June. <laughs> so it's been on the brain a lot lately this morning. Good timing. Um, when I was, a I, like I said, so it was from birth. So I've never taken a breath. I've never had a day where I wasn't. And so this is my normal. There's never been a time where I could say, I used to know what it was like to see perfectly. This is always been, it always will be because it does come down to repairing the optic nerve, which doesn't exist. And even if it does, it would be extremely dangerous and risky because you're basically saying, go mess with my brainstem. No, thank you. I'm good. I promise. I just don't drive. But in school, I always had accommodations. I was always that kid on the front row. I had extra time for assignments. You know, I usually had extra um, technology to help me, depending on what we're talking about. In second and third grade, I was wearing bifocals and trifocals. For a while, they had a patch over one of my eyes when I was a toddler to try and thinking if we could, I don't know, I guess the logic was if we could get one still, then maybe they'll match up and catch up. I don't know, didn't work, but I don't know what they were trying to do with that. I've had four eye surgeries, not necessarily to fix it, but to fix the cosmetics of it. Because as my eye, as I grew, my muscle, eye muscles would change and say, so you get too loose or too tight. And then instead of looking straight, they would like turn in or turn out and look really funky. I always hated that. That was fun. After fifth grade, I started doing everything on audio for my textbooks in school. Um, I'm a crappy speller because of it <laughs> on my own. Now I can memorize a spelling list, but on my own, I'm crappy. Thank God for spell check. In college, I had readers and scribes. I had a huge monitor. There was a program called ZoomTax where um, you can have a voice not not only magnify your screen, but you can also have it read it to you. But then if you're on a Mac, they have diction anyway. And a lot of our technology day already takes that into account. So there's various different things. Um, you know, just it took me longer to do tests and, you know, just different things. Wow. So navigating through the world with this. When you think about connecting to your heart, what would you say has this has taught you? Um, I've learned early on you have to work really hard. I mean, you all we all have to work really hard, but then when you're with the added of something that's different that adds extra challenges, you have to work even more hard than what the average person would necessarily realize or think. You have to not be willing to quit or give up or stop and not let anything stand in your way. You have to learn to have to work with basic, really good determination and sheer willpower. If you want to accomplish what you feel like you're supposed to do, uh, perseverance is important. Persistence is important. Tenacity is imp important. Willpower. Um, I kind of took the attitude of, cause back in 78, which is when I was born. Yes. I'm almost 43. We don't know everything now, but they definitely didn't know as much as we know now in 78. So no one really understood why, because I'm the only one in my family. There's no evidence of family history. It's not genetic because my kids don't have it, which is a good thing, thank God. But so I'm it. So no one knew why this happened or why, how it would work or what would come of it, you know. And so the doctors did a really good job of trying to scare my parents and saying, well, because of this, your daughter's going to have this, that or that or not be able to do this or blah, 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 fill in the blank. And so there was a lot of things they never expected me to do, but I was raised with the idea of, well, 
we don't know what's going to happen, but let's see what she can do and just let her go as far as she can. And as long as she's trying her best and doesn't give up, that's fine. And so basically I took on this thing of, I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to let it stand in my way. I'm never going to quit. I'm never going to give up. I'm not going to stop. And just because you tell me no, I'm going to do it to prove your ass wrong. Excuse my French, but I don't know how to say it. And I basically have this idea of, you know what? Hold my beer, stand back and watch me because I'm going to do my best to do it despite whatever. I love it. So how has this shown up in in your work and your life's purpose? Oddly enough, I'm a writer. I mean, I that's what I have. I have my words to give to the world and the lessons that I've learned. I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect. But I have had an, a different life from the average person in a lot of ways with a lot of very diverse experiences at a young age. Just by itself, the disability, never mind the other two Ds, which I'm sure we'll get to, that has given me a different perspective and a worldview that has, I think, afforded me at very much hard-earned lessons, but some truth and wisdom that I can share in my message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, yes, you were talking about the other two. So the second one was divorced. Yes. So I was divorced at 26 for my first marriage. That was very interesting. And I, like I said earlier on, I came from a background of faith and Christianity. And until my generation, meaning the kids, my age and my family, the grandkids, you didn't get divorced in our family, but I was the first one and I didn't believe in divorce in and of itself, but I was the first one to get divorced. So that was a struggle for me. And it was a very difficult first marriage. And then I had to look at my life like, well, I mean, no one goes to the altar saying, yay, let's get married. We're going to be divorced in two years. Yeah, no one does that. Not fun. Um, So I had to think about what I wanted to do after not expectingly to be divorced in a place of belief and faith, something that I never thought would be a part of my life because I didn't believe in it. But here I am. I was divorced at 26. And so I had to figure out what next, how to put my life back together and figure out what I wanted in life. So what made the marriage difficult? Um, he had a challenging childhood and, um, I still don't know to this day exactly why I have my theories, but I can't prove it. Uh, he had, um, issues on the internet that he would prefer to be involved in instead of being with a wife. And so we couldn't have children and, um, I stayed there for three years through several counseling counselors and counseling. And we went round one with his issue of, I don't want to be TMI or too blunt for your audience. I don't know what you're willing to hear. They're willing to hear, but he was addicted to pornography and that was more important. And, um, for whatever reason, whatever demons or issues in his past, he wasn't willing to face and work through them to save our marriage. And so, the second time around, I decided, um, screw me once, shame on you, screw me twice, shame on me. And I wasn't sticking around for the third and fifth course because he was obviously, I did not have a problem with him having issues. We all have issues. We all have baggage. My issue with him was he was not willing to do what it took to work through them and do what it took to save our marriage. It takes two. I couldn't do it on my own. And so I wasn't signing up for that. So even though you were raised to believe divorce was not on the table, you were willing to step up and say yes to yourself and what you wanted to experience in a relationship over staying in the relationship. Yes. It took me a long time to get there and a lot of counseling, but I did. 
and I wasn't willing to keep doing what wasn't working. And I don't think I was supposed to. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So in that experience, you said there was a restructuring, putting your life back together. Yeah. When you're married, you picture, you know, before you get married, you're a, a, a you or an I, an individual. And then when you get married, you become a we. And you envision all these things in this future you think you're going to do with this person you've chosen to spend hopefully the rest of your life with. And then all of a sudden you're not and you're a a me again or a you again, an individual again with everything that was supposed to have been or not. And it's lost for whatever reason. So was there a gift in that experience for you? Yes. I met the love of my life and I have, I had children with them and, um, I'm not tied to my ex-husband in any way because we didn't have children together. So I'm not having to like most divorced couples still deal with each other. <laughs> so, so talk to me about the love of your life. Um, it was, I got divorced in 05. I was living in Louisiana where I live now and I was working and I met this wonderful man. His name was John Cox. Um, he came into where I was working and I was helping him as a customer and I probably did something that you're not supposed to do as an employee, but I couldn't help myself because I'm too curious for my own good. He was looking for a certain book one day of uh, Catholicism. And then the next day he was looking for Hebrew. And I know enough about religion that those two do not go together. So I'm going, what is this dude really into? I mean, I didn't say that, but I'm like, so I asked him, I was like, sir, I don't mean to be rude, but like, what are you really looking for so that I can really help you find what you need? And I'm curious. How is it one day you're looking for Catholicism and the next day you're looking for Judaism? And like I said, that's nothing against either one of those religion. It's just usually a person that's interested in one is not going to be looking for the exact opposite the next day, (laughs) you know, polar opposite things. So I was curious and then we started talking and then it led to a date and then, you know, led to two years of dating and then we got married and moved to New Hampshire and we're together um, almost 10 years to the day, wedding anniversary and almost 12 years together, two kids later, um, when he passed away in uh, 2017. So what kind of person would be interested in those polar opposite, as you describe religions? He loved learning. He loved knowledge. He loved books. He was a bookworm and he devoured knowledge and he loved being knowledgeable in all things. And he was a very interesting person. It was one of the things I loved about him. We'd have the best intellectual conversations. I loved it. It was awesome. So what would you say that was one of the many major things he taught you? Yeah, to open up my worldview a little bit. I was, I was starting to, because like I said, coming from a place in life that you don't believe in divorce and it's very black and white, my divorce started helping me to understand there's a lot more shades of gray than maybe most of us want to admit or are comfortable with, but there is a lot of gray in the world. And I was starting to get comfortable with that. And starting to kind of open up to that. But then um, my husband, John, he really opened me up to that and kind of made me not as conservative. <laughs> for fun- I'm still conservative and I'm still believe very fundamentally what I believe, but I'm no longer fundamentalist about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that he was a catalyst to helping you give yourself permission that that was okay. I mean, it sounds like to me, especially from a very early stage in your life, you had beliefs imprinted upon you just yeah. about even what you would be able to do and who you would be able to be in the world. And but that- I really accepted them because I've always managed to find my own path. I'm not going to let someone tell me, no, I'm going to do it anyway to the best of my ability and see what happens. 
Yeah. Not so, a lot of things that stop me. <laughs> well, and, and I want to talk about your face a little bit more about what I see. So you had mentioned red hair, blue eyes, light skin, freckling, which in Chinese face reading, you may or may not know that I am a Chinese face reader. And so I look at facial features to help talk about your hero's journey, your story. Um, in Chinese face reading, those features represent a fire energy. Especially very, very fiery people, generally speaking. I live up to the reputation of redheads. And it doesn't <laughs> help that I'm a Southern Texas girl in Scorpio. That's a, woo! Oh, <laughs> I'm a Scorpio too, so. <laughs> what day? What day? Uh, I'm November 19th. I'm November 7th. Oh, okay. My husband's the 8th. Yeah. So, and you and I are born in the same year. So we're, we're earth horse Scorpios. Yep. <laughs> so, so yeah, this fiery nature, um, people with fire personalities really love variety. Yeah. Um, they're very charming, very charismatic, very magnetic, very curious. Oh, extremely curious. And I've always heard, well, not cat, curiosity kills the cat. I and mean, you know what? Cat has nine lives too. So leave me alone. <laughs> Yeah, that's curious. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. Knowledge is power. That's right. That's right. And and I feel like, you know, what's really fascinating about your story and about your experience in this world and your body is fire types can be very, very sensitive to psychic energies, meaning they'll be the first one to walk into a room and feel all the sensations and pick up on information before anyone else will. I don't necessarily in that way, but I do in voice. Now my husband, John, he was an empath. He would tell me like, Michaela, what is wrong? Like before I even knew it. And then sometimes he's like, okay, I gotta go into the room because your energy is too much. I love you, but it's too much right now. Like, (laughs) bye-bye. We giggle about it. But he was an empath. He was an honest empath. And um, I do it through hearing. If I know you really well, I may not read your face. Like even if I thought my eyes were telling me correctly what I'm seeing, I don't trust them because I know visually it's probably not a good thing to go off of, but the tone in your voice, I can know like that what's going on. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I was, I was going to say, so empath and psychic energy are two different things. They still navigate along the feeling realm, but psychic energy, it's literally like, you could go in and you know, something is going to happen. Or like you said, you can detect things even if um, they're not in your face. And so with you having, you know, like you said, not trusting your sight, no wonder you're leaning on the auditory. I do because our world, most of our world, we take in 90% through visual, but when your visual is totally jacked up, like no one's business, a lot of times, no matter what the disability, it just so happens we're talking about visual because that's mine. Your bodies are going to, your the body is going to find ways of compensating. So my hearing is insane. Um, my touch, my feel is more intensified and my memory is really good. You would think my smell would be, but it's not. Because if you understand where the optic nerve is on the brainstem, the olfactory that helps you smell is in the same spot as the optic nerve. So most likely the reason why they're both screwed up, well, if the optic nerve got jacked, so did the olfactory. And so they're right there together. So they both got impacted, which which is why it would make sense 
if my optic nerve is totally screwed, so would be my sense of smell. Even though you would think under normal circumstances, someone who does not see very well, their smelling would be enhanced, which is generally true. My other friends that are have different type of visual impairments, they smell very well. I do not, which is yeah. odd. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and the other thing I want to say that I see in your face is your bottom half of your face is pretty full. And this area here represents what's known as the water element. So yes, you have fire features. We all have the five elements. We have a spectrum of them. I was informed that Scorpio was like fiery water and I'm very much a water person. So you have. When if you I understand that correct, I could be wrong in my information. Well, in astrology and Chinese uh, medicine are completely different categories. They do oftentimes can, you know, parallel. Um, but when it comes to the five elements, we all have a nature to us and water energy is exactly how you described your way of navigating through the world, determination, willpower, tenacity, strength, like you're drawing on a huge amount of reserve, reserve and resource, despite being told you have limitations, which I just want to highlight is really a phenomenal thing. So when you're talking about your work in the world, you said you're a writer. I graduated from high school with a 3.129 GPA. Yes, I can remember those numbers. I think that was years ago. College, I was annoyed. I didn't get as high as a GPA as I would like. It was a 2.896. Um, so I have a high school diploma. I have a high uh, college degree, which was a BA in sociology with a double minor in English and history. Like I said, I can't just do one thing. I went on in New Hampshire um, to get go to massage therapy school and get my master's. I do have a master's in political science and American government. I did graduate with honors, and that was challenging um, because I was married. My husband was in school. He was in military. We had one child, and we had two kids, and I didn't have readers or scribes during that time. And I was never supposed to make higher than a C in school, and yet I go off now, this sounds bragging, and that's not what I'm trying to do, but I'm very proud that I did achieve my master's and did it with honors because that was something that was never supposed to be a part of my life. So that will always be kind of one of my worldly accomplishments that I'll be happy about. Um, and I am a seven-time author, and I have been published four times academically as well in my field. Yeah, I think that it is completely necessary to talk about your accomplishments and to feel proud and not have that shadow of, oh my gosh, I'm bragging or I'm vain. Even when you look at yourself, it is completely okay to own your life story, to own who you are. And That's raising my two kids for the last four years, pretty much on my own. So, which help from a tribe of friends, of course, we all need help, but I've been doing it. So not been easy. Yeah. And, and wow, to have such strength to be a single mother and to also have your legal blindness as something that you're basically navigating the world with. Hopefully you're seeing as a gift, you know, leaning on that auditory sensory experience and probably being able to detect BS really easily. Um, So, so what do you want people to know about life that you've learned? I would say the takeaways from my life has been there's four, there's life lessons, but then there's four areas that I've used to help me. So I would say the actual lessons takeaways is that um, 
you can, no matter what circumstances you've been given, because I have certain circumstances that other people don't have. And then they have other ones that I've never had to live through and, and, you know, vice versa and, you know, whatever, we all have our own journey that we travel in our own path that we follow. Excuse me. Um, life, you can let your situations define you, or you can decide to find, define them for you. That's a big takeaway for me. I've always tried to define things for myself and not be defined by any one of the D's and the 38 triple D of disability, divorce, and more recently, the the loss of my husband, of course, which, I mean, it will have an impact. It, it definitely, that's, I'm not saying that, but I'm trying not to let it be the sole thing that defines me. And he wouldn't want me to. Um, I say also that you never give up. You never quit. You never stop. You pursue whatever you want to do in life and it's your journey. Enjoy it. And go define it for yourself. Those are kind of like my go-to lessons I think are really key and really important that could help anybody and everybody, no matter what circumstances or what path they're traveling. Now, as far as what I have used to allow me to be able to travel this journey of 38 triple D and then go from much tribulation to thriving in all things, no matter what life has thrown at me, I would say, first of all, life is a choice. And what I mean by that is we are not necessarily in charge of what we're given or handed in this life. Like if you're playing a game of cards, you're dealt cards off of a deck and you may have chosen what cards you were given out of that deck of cards, but you as the player in the game can strategically choose which card you play when to hopefully achieve the goal of winning or at least playing well your hand. Or as an artist, you're hired for a job and you may prefer to work in a certain type of art format or medium like oils or pastels or watercolor or whatever or canvas or clay. But then the person says, I want you to do this. And so you're given the materials that you may not be the best at or most fond of, but because they're the boss and you got hired for it, you have to do it but you're still responsible and in charge of what you get to create on that canvas or how you shape that clay or or whatever you want to call it. So Mm -hmm. we're responsible for what choices that we do with what we're given. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot of responsibility in that. And, and I think that that's, what's helping you be the single mom um, for your two kids. And one thing I want to mention to you, Michaela is I hear you're totally tapped into water energy. Oh you yeah. Know, you've got the, the determination. There's even a little bit of wood there with the drive and the go-getter with your yeah. fire energy, the variety and the curiosity. One thing I, and I say this not as a judgment, but as an invitation. Yeah. One thing I'm not hearing is um, the joy and just. It's been a hard four years. And so I, I'm not trying to let it overshadow that but it's kind of hard not to at times and I think that plays into the next part that I like to do so I'm glad you mentioned that um and I I do find joy in things it's just there's so much more on my plate and I think sometimes when you have a really heavy plate especially as women we're so overworked and overwhelmed it's just you don't want the joy to be snuffed out but it kind of does just by the nature of our busy lives and that kind of goes back to choice. What do you want to do with it? And how do you want to keep trying to find the joy? And I do that in some ways by, in my children and in my friends and in my writing, you know, and the things that I'm working on, 
I do take joy and pride in my work. I enjoy writing. I'm inherently a writer. I always have been, always will be. If I'm not writing, I'm thinking about it. I can't not not write. I have to write. It comes out of me whether I want it to or not. And the next thing is mindset. Now, I do struggle with this. I think it's one of the harder things to manage in life. There's a reason why the expression is mind over matter. Mindset is key. It absolutely matters how our mindset, how our minds are set. Do we want to stay more in the negativity? Do we want to stay in the positivity? Do we want to look for that joy? Do we want to look for that gratitude? Do we want to find ways of seeing the sunny side of the street per se, quote unquote, or, you know, the happier, better things in life? Or do we want to stay in the not so positive or maybe more negative, cloudy things in life? Um, But that also goes back to our choice. Do we choose to be a pessimist or an optimist? Do we choose to see things as half full, half empty or you know, whatever. Now I will admit that's a more challenging thing that I've had my own date. Like I said, I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I just have what I've learned and what I can share from my own life's journey. I've had some days where it was more of a struggle not to be focused on. Yeah. You lost your husband. This sucks. It does suck. Grief sucks. It really yeah. does. And and I definitely don't want to discount your pain in no, that. Well. And there's no um, <laughs> timeline, right? Like, no, no one can say, get over it. You know, it's, I, I think we never get over our losses, especially someone, you know, that we, you, you cherish your husband when you talk about him, you can tell. And so it's, it's um, not something that, you know, you'll just over time, hopefully be able to live without him a little more easily, but he's always going to be there in your heart. Right. Yeah. So get over it, you go, you get through it. Yeah. Find difference. Like, A lot of people say move on. I don't like that expression and each to their own. I prefer to say I'm continuing to travel. (laughs) I love it. So, so Michaela, in hearing uh, these little snippets, I love this 38 triple D, you know, defining some major times in your life and talking about what you've extracted from this and how you're still evolving. You're still traveling. What would you say that you think humanity needs the most? Life is a choice. It's up to us. We're responsible for our choices and and you have to choose your mindset because the reason why I think getting back to the mindset piece is it's oftentimes our mindset that allows us to stay focused and balanced and centered so that we can stay on track with the choices that we decided to make. Like if you think of it this way, like if you've chosen a certain goal or a dream you want to accomplish, if you don't have the right mindset, you're not able to get there very well or very easily. And oftentimes our choices add up to the direction we head in. So depending on which set of choices you make, you're going to end up in one place versus if you'd made the other set of choices, you're going to end up in a totally different spot. And oftentimes it's that mindset that helps us get through those hard times and the obstacles and the mountains we have to climb and the overcoming is what allows us to do that despite whatever obstacle that might be handed to you, like my disability in my case, or that divorce or that illness or losing a spouse or whatever, fill in the blanks. Those are just mine. So when you say mindset, you're referring to what type of mindset? Just how you think, like I can do this or, you know, it's mindset as far as what you think and feel, but it's also your process, but it starts with your thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, do you believe you can do it? Do you have belief in yourself? Do you have self-doubt? I mean, do you think you can do it? Do you believe that no matter what, you're going to find a way? What do you choose to believe? Your self beliefs, your fulfilling prophecies per se. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. It sounds like consciousness and awareness Yeah, and, and positivity and optimism. So, okay. Well, so I last thing want to circle back. Let's take a look again in your reflection. What do you see? Oh, in my reflection? Physically so, or overall? So actually looking at your face after telling your story and sharing, taking a look and telling me what, telling me, telling the audience, what do you see when you see yourself? Um, a woman that's trying to do her best for her kids and find a way to keep traveling in this journey. If that makes any sense. Say it again. A woman who's trying to do her best for her kids and her family and keep traveling this journey. Just thrive as best as possible along the way. Yeah. Do you feel that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not gotten everything right. I mean, we're not perfect. I've not figured everything out, but being on four years, being on this side of four years on the other side of it, I've figured out a lot more than I haven't than where I started four years ago. Yeah. You know, I thank you so much for your time today, sharing your story. And wow, I'm, I mean, I'm just blown away. So impressed. I could not imagine navigating the world the way that you are and still having this positive mindset, despite the things that you may have been told and the challenges you faced. It's, it's really, really impressive and inspirational so thank you so much I feel like I'm supposed to share the message and hopefully it can empower and inspire maybe somebody else with whatever they're going through even if it's something different from mine yes it's still the same concept it's still a struggle it's still an obstacle and it still requires the same stuff to overcome it no matter what it actually is well again I, I thank you for sharing thank you Thank you for listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With the rise of social media engagement and video conference calls, many people are feeling more self-conscious about seeing themselves face on. I believe that if you love yourself when you see yourself, you elevate humanity, which is why I've created programs to help people love who they see in the mirror. I wanna show you how to look at yourself with love, compassion, and acceptance, so you can share your strengths, presence, and talents with pride. The best part is we can work together one-on-one in a group program or even in person. Simply visit MarianneTelkovsky.com or follow me on Instagram at MarianneTelkovsky and we can get started right now on your path to radical self-acceptance, healthy aging, and building your radiant energy. Until next time, signing off, this is Marianne Telkovsky with Humanity Speaks.